0: This episode is brought to you by Keyboard Castle, where you can find the widest selection of pianos, clavinova, keyboards, hybrids, and synthesizers. Visit Keyboard Castle to see their showroom in person or browse online at keyboardcastle.com. That's spelled with all K's instead of C's, keyboardcastle.com. You can also sign up for lessons. If you're anything like me, you have always wanted to play like a concert pianist, but sitting in front of the keys seems confusing. If you sign up for lessons at Keyboard Castle, Luke will design a tailor-made program for you to learn at your own pace and how it's most effective for you. So don't wait. Go get yourself a piano, maybe a clavinova or a keyboard, whatever suits you, and start learning today. I'll have more details in the show notes. And thank you, Keyboard Castle, for sponsoring this episode. I just wanted to front load this by letting you know I am reading from one of my essays that I will be publishing on Substack a little bit early. So you can actually have gotten access to this podcast episode a couple of days early. Won't happen very often, but I've really been going through a wrestle. I think if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you are aware that I've been wrestling through something. And um, I, I really feel like I had finally a bit of a breakthrough that I look forward to sharing with you over the course of some weeks, so I don't think that I have the definitive answer. Um, If anybody ever tries to sell you that they do have the definitive answer, you should probably walk away because the answer turns out to be quite different for each of us, Uh, and and that is actually the exploration that is so meaningful to me about the last four, six, uh, maybe eight-ish weeks that I've been kind of coming to a head with this subject. Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and read this post on Substack, but I guess I do want to mention one thing. If you are only listening to my podcast and are not aware that I'm very active on Twitter, uh, I would highly recommend check me out on Twitter at Jody J. All of the topics of my podcast come out of Twitter. If you're listening to a podcast and you don't know that, I don't know what's going on because I talk about it constantly, but just in case, there are three legs to the stool, and Twitter is the one where I send questions out into the universe and start a conversation that then helps me to form podcast episodes. And in a more deep way, in a meaningful way, Substack is the third leg of that stool. Substack is where I do some kind of creative, innovative thinking that is even further refined from the podcast. So a lot of the stuff that I talk about on the podcast, I write, I edit, I replace, I move around, and I try to build on in my Substack post. So if you're missing any of those three areas, you're not getting the full experience, and I'm confident. That if you tune in to all three places, it is going to result in you having a more rich, meaningful, and lucrative writing life. I am doing this for you (laughs) and for myself. I'm doing this for us. We all need to turn a corner. And I'm in the soup with you. I guess I'm in the river with you trying to swim against the current that wants us to do something less meaningful. And I believe if you're listening to the podcast, if you're reading my substack, if you're interacting with me on Twitter, at some level, you know you could be doing more meaningful work that's reaching further than you currently are. Now, without further ado. Hey, I'm the reluctant book marketer, and I've got just one question for you. Do you see your novel as a million-dollar asset? Because if you don't, and you want to, you're in the right place. This is the only show for novelists who want to shift their mindset away from fear and toward abundance, because you can sell more books than you ever dreamed when you believe in what you're doing This is the title of the article. I will ad-lib a little bit as we go along. Fiction is the answer. And the question was from Twitter, why do you write? The first lesson of sales is delivered in bold and underlined, do not ask a prospect why questions. Even the most existential head-scratchers avoid why. Rather than asking, why are we here, philosophers ask, what's the meaning of life? Asking why is the fastest road to the dead end, I don't know. Asking why assumes a higher power, and if you want to make a sale, you have to be talking to the highest power, the decision maker. And then there's this little subsection called the sales misdirection. Billion-dollar companies train their sales employees to avoid asking why. So when I found myself in conversation with a dynamic marketer and publisher who'd accomplished nothing short of my own life goals, she told me to get clear on my why. And I had the experience of being caught in an avalanche, tumbling down a mountain, disoriented about which direction was up. My confusion was warranted because I was a salesperson staring at a marketer's world. But the problem with sales is you can never stop selling. If selling is your model, whereas you can never stop selling if selling is your model, whereas if marketing is your model, you'll never have to sell again. I write this and I still believe that it's probably the case, but I don't know that I know exactly how that ends up working out. I I do believe if you know how to market, you won't have to sell because, yeah, anyways, another article for another time, new subheading section saying isn't knowing. That's basically the forewarning I just gave you And, and I'll do it again. Be forewarned. This reflection won't end with a firm conclusion. Right now, I'm thinking through my own labyrinth and inviting you to look in. Simon Sinek wrote, Start With Why. Great book. There's a link there. You can buy it on Amazon. If you buy anything I link to in any of my sub stacks or show notes or anything, I get a little bit of that money um, for directing you toward it. So uh, if you buy the book, buy it through my link. Help me out. Um, back to the article. I first learned of or took note of Simon Sinek from Robin Sullivan. You just heard her on my podcast. She's the dynamic marketer and publisher I mentioned above, and she's the operations, the business, the distribution department, as well as the wife of the author, Michael J. Sullivan, who wrote the Raiera Chronicles and the Raira Revelations, among other books. I don't know – I didn't know when I met Robin how fundamentally her story would change my own, how her why would impact me. And this is a funny thing about my podcast I will notice uh, or note for you is that the Monday show is always coming out almost concurrently with whatever week I'm living in. The Wednesday show is typically six to eight weeks in arrear. So I've got a bunch of interviews recorded that I just kind of trickle out. But my Monday show, I'm almost always doing in the moment, which gives you this kind of funny mirror image of what's happening in my real life versus the conversations that I'm having with my guest, and you might be like, wow, you sound really upbeat on Wednesdays, and you sound a little bit more searching, that's because for the last six to eight weeks, I have been sitting under the weight of the Sullivan's interview and realizing I could be doing so much better than I'm doing. Um, All right, back to the article, the essay. I like essay better. It feels more meaningful than article. If you're a journalist, you're probably insulted right now. Okay, this one is subtitled, The Sneaky Challenge of, quote, Why, unquote. Today, I can't tell you why I write. And that's actually not true. I think I can, but we're going to get to that later. Um, but I, I wrote here, I, I can't tell you why I write other than it feels good. Um, so does drinking coffee on a cool morning feel good and walking the dog on a warm afternoon and savoring a square of dark chocolate as it slowly melts on my tongue. I'm thinking about like 96% cacao. Ooh, it's so delicious. I love that. Not not like chewing it, but just literally letting it melt on your tongue. It's so tasty. Okay, I'm not willing to sacrifice my comfort, wealth, reputation, my sleep, friendships, or time with family for the dog walk, for a cup of coffee, or a moment of chocolatey goodness. Writing has wrapped itself around my DNA in such a way that I'll risk my retirement fund, put my wife and sons in the path of poverty, and endure the criticism of my family to pursue success at it. One thing I want to mention here, <laughs> this article is going to be way longer than the actual article. Oh, and it's an essay. <laughs> Anyways, Um If there's any reason that you could consider taking me seriously, even though I'm not a best-selling author, even though I haven't sold a million copies of my book, even though I haven't done a lot of the things that I talk and reflect about, it's the fact that I actually was willing to leave a lucrative job to pursue this. I started a podcast. I did all of these things to claim what I believe is already a reality in the making. Unless you've done that, you could at least believe that I'm worth listening to because of my belief. Um, If you're the religious kind of person, there's that whole thing from the Bible about, uh, Lord, help me, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Um, Maybe a little bit, I can help you with your unbelief because you can look at what I'm doing and say, wow, that guy's either crazy or he's onto something. I don't know. Um, This is completely extemporaneous. Let's get back to the essay. Writing has become so important to me that even on days when I hate the process, dread it, I do it anyway. And yes, I hate it and dread it, Mm, you know, 50-50, I'd say. It's really difficult. Um, I never drink a cup of coffee. I'd never drink a cup of coffee if I hated the taste. That is the truth. Boy, oh boy. So what makes writing special? Why sacrifice good experiences, safety, comfort for it? Is it a parasite that has overtaken my mind, feeding off me to my own detriment? A commensalist? Okay, a commensalist. It's a fancy science word for neutral. Um, this is the idea of like any anything that has a symbiotic relationship with us can be either good for us, neutral to us, or it can be beneficial to us. Um, So that's like that bird on the rhinoceros. That is considered a mutualist relationship because the bird is eating the bugs off the rhinoceros. So it's getting all of its food in, in one convenient place just by traveling along with the rhino, but it's also keeping the rhino healthy because it keeps it from being infested by nasty bugs. Does my drive to write against all common sense leave me a better person? And as importantly, do I make the writing community a better place by being a writer? That is a hugely important question that I'm wrestling with right now. And I hope that you will wrestle with on your own. Do you make the writing community a better place as a writer by being a writer? Is it better because you're there? Um, It's not as if writing might ask the same question about me. Is this guy a parasite or what? And that was like a a thought that really blew my mind. It is possible that I am a parasite on the writing community just trying to sell books for no reason. That'll mind trip you. It mind tripped me anyways. So is this an ego trip? This is another subheading section. Why do I need to write? Why am I writing this? Knowing I'll share it with the several hundred people who have subscribed to my newsletter. Yes, I don't have too many on my newsletter right now. Just a couple hundred. If you want to subscribe, you can do so in the sub stack. Um, whatever. It's cool. I would love that. I've got links all over the place for it. Until recently, I've been satisfied with the answer I write because I have stories to tell. Um, Inherently, in that why seems to be the belief my stories are better than other people's stories. After all, we only have so many hours in a day, so people have to choose what to read and what to pass by. If my stories aren't better, shouldn't I cede to authors whose are? But maybe it's less about being better and more about being additional. Perhaps there's no ego after all. Nonetheless, with some figures as high as 2,700 new books being published daily and the average reader consuming less than one book per year, more is probably not the answer. Maybe I'm a parasite on the literary community. New subsection, who, what, blank, with a question mark. If why is so tough and leads so quickly to statistics I'd rather avoid, perhaps I can focus on who I need to be writing for. That seems like an easier question. but I'm not but not only does Simon Sinek caution against starting with who, diving deep into who gets as dismal just as quickly. For example, I might be tempted to say my books are for anyone who loves Stephen King and Joe Hill, but the moment I cast that net, that widely, I'm left with no more direction than had I skipped saying anything. There was my Stephen King reference in this podcast. I might as well just retitle it The Reluctant Book Marketer Stephen King Edition. (laughs) Whatever. It's so stupid. I could try the old demographic myth and say, my books are meant for men aged 25 to 65 who read 10 plus books per year and... (sighs) Right. Not only is such data objectively pointless, because, again, I've just described several million men in English-speaking countries, but it's boring enough to shred and spread on the bottom of a dog kennel. Trying who can feel good because you get some details written on paper, and it keeps you from asking that Pesky why question, which in why territory the whole house of cards feels a skosh wobbly. But who really won't do much to get you closer to being red? So it becomes an excuse to ignore the painful but important work. And I think I want to caution you: almost all of you are getting stuck trying to figure out who, as an excuse to really battle with why. (laughs) I know I did. Maybe we can avoid asking why by asking what though. Um, Blank what why in the world of sales asking what is the go to technique what leads to actionable responses in open conversation what do you write for seems a lot like why do you write but people fall silent before why and wax poetic poetic for what you'll even notice people if they do open up for a why question typically answer as if solving for what for example why are you on a diet might get a person to reply because i'm overweight and i want to lose weight the person actually answered what are you on a diet for i'll explain this new subsection. Aren't I just majoring in semantics? Who, what, where, why, when? Does it really matter what interrogative I lead with? Aren't I just making a big deal out of nothing? Let me try to build a case for why why matters. If you ask, what are you on a diet for? The person answers to lose weight. Then that person has lost weight and the what is gone. And so is the diet. But if you can discover the compelling why, something seemingly miraculous can happen. Your why won't be mine, but let's pretend you actually answer, why are you on a diet and solve for why. You say, I'm on a diet because I'm the kind of person who's agile, alert, and fit until I die. Now you have a state of being that drives your actions well beyond a set weight on the scale. I'm still not convinced. Couldn't I'm agile, alert, and fit until I die be the answer to what do you diet for? yes and that's why why is such a challenge part of me hates to end here but for now and seriously this is how i'm going to send this out to all of the people who are subscribed to my newsletter and how i'm going to end the podcast this is a half-built puzzle and i could sure use your help getting it finished sincerely please what do you think how are what why and who different i welcome your comments your thoughts your insights tell me what you think Let's work toward why together. I would love it. Anybody listening to this podcast, anybody reading this on Substack, comment, email me, jodyjsperling at gmail.com. I'm very open about how to find me. You, you can find me if you want to, and I, I'm desperate to know what's your why. Not you want to tell a good story or you want to distract somebody. Those are, those are all what's. Really think about the why. Hopefully, this uh, essay has opened you up to re examine why you're doing what you're doing. I am um, speculate that it is the only way you can go from where you're at right now to where you've always dreamed of being is having a clear why. Uh, and I'm excited to share some of the insights that I'm starting to have about my why. And we'll see. Maybe it's the piece of the puzzle that um, a lot of us have been missing and we can rise up together. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week as we're barreling toward Christmas.